Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Third Coast Pocket Conference. I'm Isabel Vasquez. Third Coast is a nonprofit arts organization in Chicago dedicated to celebrating and pushing forward audio storytelling as an art form unto its own. We spend the year doing many things, hosting a residency, putting on live events, curating the best work we hear on our website, and so much more. But our two biggest events each year are the Third Coast Conference and the Third Coast Richard H. Driehaus Foundation Competition. Our annual conference brings together over 800 audiomakers from around the world for a weekend of inspiration, skill sharing, and community building in Chicago. The sessions are meticulously crafted and presented by folks from across the industry. They represent a mix of experiences, ideas, identities, and expertise, but one thing they all share is a passion for audio. At Third Coast, the conference is our favorite part of the year. We love the thoughtfulness, energy, and insight that the members of our community bring into a room. That's why we record the sessions and share them here on the Third Coast Pocket Conference. This season, we're sharing sessions from the 2019 conference, and we're kicking things off with our very own Oscars of Radio and Podcasting. So... Each year, on the final night of the conference, we host an award ceremony to honor the winners of our annual audio competition. Producers from around the world submit nearly 500 entries, and we listen to every single one. We send the best of what we hear to a group of judges, and then they make the final call on who gets an award. A few months later, the 11 winners, and sometimes, as you'll hear, their whole posses, they fly out to Chicago to attend the award ceremony, and that's when they find out exactly which award they won. This year, our hosts were the dynamic duo Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods of the podcast Ear Hustle. We are so happy to be here together. Last year, I was on the stage to collect an award for Ear Hustle, um, and we got one of those coveted doodads which we proudly display in our office. But you weren't here with me. Nah, I was still in prison. But now I'm here, I'm joining you, and we're about to have fun. Yeah, so we're about to have fun. The 2018 award ceremony was unforgettable, and the energy in the room was so palpable that for the first time we published the audio right here on the Pocket Conference. You can scroll through your feed and go find that episode. It is amazing. This year, we wanted to keep that same energy going, and so we are kicking things off with a recording from the 2019 ceremony. Enjoy. (laughs) Okay, the first award is for Best New Artist. 
This award recognizes the work of a producer who has been in the field for less than two years and has already shown an original voice and a great sense of story. This story pairs the shape-shifting of Mardi Gras with a very personal attempt to shape-shift. One judge called the story, quote, a vivid and captivating journey that brings an intimate inner conflict to life through superb writing and transport of tape. I love how this starts in one place and then ends up in a completely different situation. It starts off with the sounds of Mardi Gras in the second line and then ends up being a complicated story about the exploration to become more comfortable in the body you're in. This friend and I had top surgery together. We drove to Florida to have the same chest masculinization surgery within a few days of each other. It took years of late-night talks with radical dykes and queers to get to that moment. I was terrified and thrilled about treating my milk ducks like medical waste. A few trans men I know were happy with their chests from this doctor in Miami. It's the only surgery he does, and it's popular. He flattens chests five times a day, three days a week. The night before my nip-tuck, though, I actually felt like a pretty terrible misogynist. Such a failed feminist, I was cutting up my own female body. But I have to remind myself that living as default feminine is not helping other women. Ruminating in self-torture and loathing is not an inspiring feminist strategy. It is a strange feeling to desire masculinity in 2019. Who wants to be a man? Ugh. The 2019 Best New Artist Award goes to Mara Laser for their story, Mardi Gras is a State of Mind. Okay. So if you haven't listened to my story, it's basically about feeling like a lesbian separatist wondering if I'm also a man. Even though I know dykes have been experimenting with these ideas since the beginning of time, it can still feel like I'm breaking some pretty straightforward rules. Um, this award feels really wild. I couldn't have done this without all of my people in New Orleans, without my mom and dad, my whole family, for their abundance of love and support. I wouldn't be here without my radio rejects, Ari, Phoebe, NK. Uh, you inspire me and help me get out of my head and into Reaper. Uh, but making this story was hard. It's hard to make stories about our lives that also affect other living people. Maybe when those people's perspectives don't exactly line up with ours. It's hard to find language to describe the chaos of being a living person. To be honest about our whole selves instead of falling into predetermined scripts. Making this story felt risky pushing comfort levels of my family, wondering if my coworkers would hear it. But that feels like work radio makers with privilege should do. I think it's important to show our mistakes and vulnerabilities. It feels like one way to combat these ridiculous and oversimplified fascist stories that dominate this moment. To show that digging into complex ideas isn't easy can maybe encourage more people to struggle through it. I can intellectually know that the binary ideas of capital M man and woman come from hetero patriarchal structures and violence, but that doesn't make dealing with transphobia in my regular life easier. A few years ago, Tourmaline, an incredible artist, activist, and trans woman of color, 
co-wrote a talk called Touch One Another. The discussion is about no-touching laws that existed a few decades ago. These laws made it a crime for queers to touch in public. People in gay bars danced two feet away from each other, fearing arrest. She reflects on this history still moving through our bodies and continuing to make us feel shame or embarrassed about our desires. She says, it's so terrifying to take the risk of being seen, of being touched. That's also why it's so important. I avoided putting my own thoughts about my experience out there, and then I started making radio, a medium where I thought I would never have to give a public speech. <laughs> so thank you. Um, but I, I like my voice best in the company of others. I love imagining how queer people express themselves while dancing without being able to touch. Suggestive eyes, big feelings through big movements. This is how I want to feel about making political radio art. Like friends and I are dancing hard with our voices. I want the chaotic structure, the pleasure, the pain. I want to feel the possibilities. Queers of the past insisted on living erotic lives through constraints. I want radio that honors that history and takes more risks to, con to challenge contemporary constraints and oppression. What limits queers, trans people, people of color from making radio? Okay, um, I wanna take a second to do a little dorky experiment with you guys. Pretty sure you're, yeah, you're a bunch of dorks too, so. Um, I want our voices to dance together. So you can whisper, you reply, or just make weird sounds, but I'm, I'm gonna put my middle finger in the air um, and when I do that, I want you to reply. So I want you to, to think about what constraints you're feeling, what systemic constraints are you imagining broken for the future? Okay, so when you see my middle finger, you can just respond. What is your fiery retort to your constraints? <laughs> okay, thank you so much. That was liberating. Indeed. Yes, thank you. Fuck prisons. <laughs> All right. The best serialized story award goes to a single story that unfolds over multiple episodes. This story took a deep dive into the crazy case that put a man on death row. One judge wrote that this year's winner will, quote, make you gasp about a deeply racist criminal justice system that allows and rewards flagrant abuses of power again and again. An incredible amount of resources and reporting went into this, and I definitely appreciate that. Hell yeah. Plus, the reporter is great at asking hard questions, including the district attorney who put this guy in prison. When I looked at the case, it does strike me that the evidence is very weak against him. I don't know where you get that. You hadn't looked at the evidence, if you think that. I told Doug Evans that I'd talked to a lot of the people who'd been interviewed by law enforcement in the case. But Doug Evans didn't want to hear what they told me. Well, they can say whatever they want. Uh, I don't know of anybody that we put on the stand that we didn't have taped statements from. And you may twist them or get them to say something that you want them to, but we go by the facts. A lot of folks that have been trying to either make money off of this case or try to stir people up over this case, have put a lot of false statements out. And that's one reason that I would never talk about the facts of the case to anybody until it's over. 
If they want the facts, they can read the transcripts. The 2019 Best Serialized Story Award goes to In the Dark, Season 2. Yeah. <laughs> By lead reporter, Madeline Barron, senior producer, Samara Freemark. Producers, Natalie Jamblowski and Raymond Tungakar. Reporters, Parker Yesko and Will Craft, And editor, Kathleen Winter for APM Reports. This is such an honor. Thank you all so much. Uh, I'm Samara Freemark. This is Natalie Jablonski. We're producers on In the Dark. And it's such a thrill for us to be here uh, to accept this award on behalf of our whole team. We started working on the story that would become season two of In the Dark uh, back in 2017 when we got a tip about a man named Curtis Flowers. Uh, Curtis was a black man in Mississippi who had been convicted for the murder of four people at a furniture store. And he was on death row at Parchman Prison. So, you know, this tip comes in, and we did a little digging into it, and very quickly it became clear that the evidence against Curtis Flowers was, was quite weak. And that was interesting to us. But what was even more interesting for our purposes was that the same white prosecutor had been trying Curtis Flowers over and over again for decades. Curtis's convictions kept getting overturned, but the prosecutor would just try him again. And so Curtis had actually been tried six times for these murders. And this bizarre Groundhog Day scenario that Curtis had found himself in um, seemed to point to some larger questions about the power of prosecutors and about race and about how we pursue criminal justice in this country. And uh, because we're a part of an investigative journalism team, uh, these are the kinds of questions that we really like uh, because these are questions about power, right? Um, these are questions about the people who have power in our society, uh, questions about what they're doing with that power, and questions about whether they're being held accountable for how they use that power. So uh, our team started reporting this story, and that one first initial tip ended up turning into a multi-year investigation. Um, our team moved to Mississippi, and we spent a year basically just heading out and knocking on doors. So we talked to hundreds of people. Uh, we collected hundreds of hours of tape. Uh, we really tried to embed in the community, so we went to church every Sunday morning. We went to the football, uh, the, the local high school football game every Friday night. We, we encountered many, many loose pit bulls on the way. Um, we busted at least four rental cars, um, one of which literally got struck by lightning. We uh, tracked down and, and scanned and analyzed hundreds of thousands of pages of documents which were stored in eight courthouses, uh, several old jails, and improbably one abandoned plastics factory, which for some reason had become the, the storage place for this county documents. Um, and all that reporting eventually became season two of In the Dark. And that season was a, a deep dive into what had actually happened in the case of Curtis Flowers, but it also told a larger story about race and jury selection and the power of prosecutors. After we released the podcast, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, decided to take Curtis's case. And our findings were included in briefs that were filed before the U.S. Supreme Court. And this past June, uh, the Supreme Court overturned Curtis's latest conviction. <laughs> I really want to thank Third Coast for recognizing our work. It, it means a lot to us. Um, you know, at, at In the Dark, we... We really and truly believe with our whole hearts that uh, 
in-depth investigative journalism is absolutely integral to a democratic society. That it is one of the most important mechanisms we have for holding accountable the people who are supposed to represent us. And yet, as we all know, that kind of journalism is an increasingly rare commodity because it really takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money and many news organizations can't or won't invest in it. But without that investment, work like in the dark literally can't happen. So we want to thank American public media for giving us the resources we need to do our work. And even more importantly, we want to thank all the people who actually make In the Dark, uh, all of whom wish they could be here tonight. We have a big team. Our host and lead reporter, Madeline Barron, who has never been daunted by any interview or reporting challenge. Our producer, Raymond Tungakar, who juggles at least a dozen tasks at once and manages to do them all well. Our reporter, Parker Yesko, who spent months and months going courthouse to courthouse, scanning hundreds of thousands of pages of documents. Will Kraft, our data reporter, who spent months analyzing that data. Catherine Winter, our audio editor, whose brilliant suggestions have saved us from innumerable bad ideas and who provided clarity every step of the way. Our editor-in-chief, Chris Worthington, who's always pushing us to follow the story wherever it goes, even when it's inconvenient and possibly very expensive. And thank you so much to our engineering team and composers and everyone else we work with at APM Reports. We are so grateful to all of you. Hey, I got, I got a lot of homies in prison that want y'all number. I just... <laughs> Yeah, you're making every award about you somehow. No, I mean, people need investigators. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Okay. All right. The Best News Feature Award is open to works um, of up to 12 minutes that rely on strong reporting and documentary storytelling techniques to share timely news stories. This one has some serious reporting, too, about how and why people in a prison system were dying. The story focused on two people from a single family who had died in prison. And I gotta say, when you're locked up, that's probably most of everyone's fear is dying before you get out. Yeah, yeah, so true. One judge wrote that the reporter, quote, used every second available to bring depth, nuance, momentum, investigative journalism, systems thinking, and humanity into the story. He didn't get the death sentence, but in the long run, they gave him the death sentence. So. Over his six months of incarceration, they identified 10 different times they made errors. If one person dropped a ball and somebody pick it up, that's different. But you kept on, you continued to keep on dropping the ball, showing and telling me as a mother that my child's life did not matter. Not what they wanted from me. Yeah, you, you got his life. <laughs> you took my son away from not only my, for me, you took his brothers and sisters, you took it from his family. You have people every day saying they miss my son. You have people at holidays, we can't spend no more holidays with him. We can't see him on his birthday. We can't see him no more. Yeah, he did a crime, but he was paying for his crime. I don't know what the future would have held for him, but you, you, you took that from him. You took it from us. The 2019 Best News feature goes to death in Illinois prison. He didn't have a death sentence, but that's what he got. Produced by Shannon Heffernan and edited by Rob Will DeBoer and WBEZ Chicago. For the Shine a light on me Let the midnight special Shine a ever-loving light on me
every work is a work of collaboration. Even a six-minute feature made on a deadline is the work of dozens and dozens of people. When I started out in radio, I did not have uh, the means to afford an unpaid internship or go to grad school. So I relied on the Third Coast Audio Festival's conference sessions posted for free online to teach me radio. I'm indebted to so many people in this room for teaching me how to make audio. And this world, um, this award is particularly meaningful to me because you are the people who brought me up in the audio world. I'm grateful to WBEZ. Covering Illinois and Chicago can be sad and beautiful and, let's be honest, really weird sometimes. And there's nobody I'd rather be doing that with than the staff of WBEZ. I'm particularly grateful to Wab Wildebor, my editor, who could not be here tonight. If it weren't for his gentle and honestly not so gentle nudges sometimes, I don't think my work would see the light of day. I'm grateful to the people who take care of me, who make sure I'm well rested and cared for. The Radio Coven, thank you for your camaraderie. Sarah Geis, my neighbor and my friend, my unofficial editor on so many pieces. You've become my family. Your fingerprints are on everything that I make. Noah Leposky, the conversations we've had for over a decade and a half have influenced how I think about the world and how I think about my work. Thank you for helping me find my keys this morning and most mornings. But most of all, I want to thank Sheila Fain, who came here tonight with her family and her friend who introduced me to her. She's the mother whose voice you hear in this piece. When I first saw the name of her nephew and her son, Earl and Desmond Fain, it was on a spreadsheet of people who had died while in the Illinois Department of Corrections. Over half the people on that list had no cause of death listed by their name. In some cases, the Department of Corrections could not even find a death certificate. And the family was told very little about how and why their loved one died, often at a very young age. When I reached out to Sheila, she had no reason to trust me. But she invited me to come to her home and to meet her family. At one point, when the conversation became difficult, I turned off the recorder, and I asked Sheila if she was sure she wanted to keep going. And Sheila said that she needed the people of Illinois to know what they had done. That is an act of profound generosity and an act of profound bravery. I'm grateful that you trusted me as a journalist, but I'm even more grateful that you trusted me as a member of the society and you raised your voice to make sure we all understood the consequences of the decisions we make when it comes to who we put behind bars and how we treat them. Desmond and Earl's voices are not in this piece. They could not have been. And I wish more, more than anything they could have been. I hope in some tiny way this piece honored them. Thank you. Thank you. 
hearing that just reminds me how all of this work is really about collaboration and trust. That's really beautiful. Because, uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of people that passed away in prison. It could have been prevented, probably. Yeah. Next up is the Radio Impact Award. This award recognizes a single documentary or feature that has had significant impact on individual, group, or community. This one was really eye-opening, oh for real. Yeah, yeah. And I love that it gave the microphone to the people who are at the center of the story, the people who lived the experience. The story is about a change in the formula that British Columbia gives people using methadone to get off of heroin. The change came as a surprise to most of the people in the methadone program. I woke up feeling like uh, my legs would, were moving and couldn't sleep, and I felt like twitches. So this uh, is like, the, these are the classic symptoms of dope sickness, and you might not have felt that for a long time, right? So you're in bed, and your yeah. legs are twitching, and what, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, excuse my language, but how, what, what, whoa, what's going on? I said to my partner, Martin, like, I am, I am dope sick. Like, I am, I'm dope sick. I, uh, Do you remember what Martin said? Um, you just, just, just relax, Laura. It's, it, you know, it's new. Maybe it's just part, you're thinking this or, and I was like, well, I'm going to be doing heroin. That means I'm going to be robbing jewelry stores. That means I'm going to be in jail. That means I'm going to remember the awful, awful things that I did. And this is not my decision. I didn't do this. I was trying so hard to keep my life together. And then somebody else decided for, my, for me what medication they were going to give me, and it was insufficient. Two years after changing this formula, nearly 1,000 people died of overdoses in British Columbia, and the province declared a state of emergency. But the government was slow to acknowledge the role this new methadone formula might be playing. But after the documentary aired in February... The Ministry of Health said that they would prove all patients' requests to get alternative methadone formulations. The 2019 Radio Impact Award goes to Change in Tolerance, produced by Sam Finn and Garth Mullins. Co-produced by Lisa Hale, Alexander Kim, and Ryan McNeil for the podcast Crackdown, with editorial support from Laura Shaver and Sharice Kiwatton. Garth and Laura couldn't be here tonight, so they sent this in. Hi, I'm Garth Mullins, host and executive producer of the Crackdown podcast. And I'm Laura Shaver, part of the Crackdown editorial board and the president of an opiate replacement therapy um, activist group. So Laura and I would love to be there with you in Chicago tonight, but we both have criminal records here and we can't get across the border. Yes, yeah, so unfortunately, um, we're saying hi from here to you there. Yeah, so drug users are criminalized all around the world, and this means sometimes travel is difficult. Uh, the episode that we're being uh, given this award for tonight is actually about our long struggle to get access to uh, good methadone that does the job of treating dope sickness that you get um, when you get wired to heroin or an opiate. So the overdose crisis is there in the U.S., it's here, and methadone is one of the ways we fight it, but we've had a lot of barriers. A uh, person who was involved in that fight is Cherise Kiwat, and that's her picture right there. She's also on our editorial board, and uh, she died while we were making this because she couldn't get access to what she needed. And she was also your best friend. Yeah, Cherise was my best friend, and 
we would really like to dedicate this award to her because without her instrumental part in the fight against having better choices and more choices of opiate replacements, um, we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah, so thanks very much and uh, have a good evening. Thank you very much. Accepting the award are Sam Penn and Ryan McNeil. First of all, we want to say how grateful and honored we are. Third Coast is the awards that you apply for and you never hear back from. So um, <clears throat> it, it's weird and wonderful, so thank you. Crackdown is uh, it's an experiment. It's a radical experiment in a kind of collaborative journalism um, that was scary to me at first as a radio producer um, and that I'm now totally committed to. Um, on the show, the whole point of the show is to upend the traditional narratives about the war on drugs by handing people who use drugs the mic. And through that process, we found ourselves as um, storytellers having to be accountable to a community, and that's made our work stronger. Um, we've also found that we've had access to stories that were monumental, that mattered to our city in ways I couldn't imagine, but that um, were largely untold and totally slept on by the mainstream media. The story of the Methodist switch is just one of those stories. Um, it is true. I, I mean, it's, it feels very bittersweet to accept the impact award for this, I have to be honest. Um, it is true that since we aired, thanks in large part to the work of drug user activists, like the two you saw the video of, that the government of BC has quietly expanded access to life-saving medications. Um, they have not acknowledged that the switch was destructive in any way. They have not apologized, and they continue to drag their feet. Um, and so the folks at Crackdown, including myself, are going to continue to fight until we have um, the acknowledgement, the apology, but more importantly, until um, all of our friends um, have medicine that could save their lives. And this question of the methadone change and its impact has been central to our work, but so to are all the other critical drug stories that need to be told right now. The work we've done around housing and its impact and the injustices that people who use drugs experience on the need for interventions that actually map onto people's needs like safe supply and supervised consumption sites. You know, how we approach this is very much a collaborative effort where we come together and frankly fight for these things because you fucking have to right now. Um, I might turn into a, a bit of a puddle as I, I go across this, but we can't do this work without our communities, without our host and executive producer, Garth, without our editorial board that brings together some of the most brilliant fucking activists in the community fighting for drug policy reform and social justice, without our other producers who couldn't be here, Lisa Hale and Alex Kim, without our... our uh, without our friends, our family, and the communities that surround us to support us as we do this work, as probably has touched people in this room, the overdose crisis is killing tens of thousands of people in the United States and Canada every year. It touches all of us in so many ways, and we need to come together, choose a side, and fight for the changes that need to happen. Now, We've been doing that, and we've been doing that while experiencing loss. And as Garth mentioned, as, as Sam mentioned, that happened in the course of the ep this episode. This work couldn't have been done without our friend, long-term collaborator, and someone we just deeply care about and miss, Sharice Key-Watton. 
and this award's for her. Thank you. Okay, the Third Coast Skylarking Award recognizes stories that are out for fun. These kinds of stories require just as much craft, thought, and cunning as the big important stuff. And radio and podcasting would be duller and sadder without it. The reporter on this one did a ton of research oh for this story. <laughs> and I keep thinking, everyone in prison would love to have her as an investigator. Um, she was trying to track down a copy of the film from the 1970s. Uh, was it Urban World Films? Does that sound... Oh, yes. Uh, I think he was, they were the distributor. Okay, then we do have it. <gasps> you have it? Yeah. Is it possible to check it out or like... No, you can come here and view it. All of our... None, we're a non-lending library. I see. Okay. Yeah. How would I get a copy of that? I wonder... Let's say... Hold on one second. Let me go a little deeper here. Here's the filmmaker... Da, 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 da. Oh, there's his personal website. Oh, no, his personal website does not exist anymore. Poor dude. Where is he? Oh, he's on Instagram. The 2019 Sky Larkin Award goes to punks. Yes. <laughs> produced, produced by Kathy Tu and co-produced by Tobin Lowe with Matt Collette. Sound design by Jeremy Bloom and editing by Jenny Lawton. And executive produced by Paula Schumann for Nancy from WNYC Studios. Yes, 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 yes. Accepting awards are Matt Collette and Jeremy Bloom. Congratulations. Congratulations. Tobin and Kathy can't be here, but they were on the stage the whole time last time, so <laughs> this is fine. Uh, Tobin likes to talk about Nancy as being this show where we can be defenders of queer joy. And I think that this story really demonstrates what that's all about. Uh, if you haven't heard it, Punk started when I was out to drinks with our coworker Kai Wright. And he was telling me about this movie he'd seen years ago, this romantic comedy about black gay men. It's a movie where nobody dies of AIDS. The biggest sort of drama and catastrophe is that somebody is maybe straight. Uh, <laughs> And Kai was trying to find it again. And he realized that the movie wasn't anywhere. It just like didn't exist anymore. So we were like, obviously, we have to find out what happened. Uh, so we put on our mystery show hats, and we went on a quest. And we learned three things. First thing that we learned, punks had not one, not two, but seven super gay, amazing Sister Sledge songs in it. But nobody ever paid for the rights. And just like that, the movie was never released. So lesson number one, learn for us podcasters, pay for your fucking music. <laughs> lesson number two was, someone might just come looking for the brilliant thing you made 20 years later. Back up your work. That trendy website it's on probably won't still be there in 20 years. And finally, as hard as it can be to tell the stories of marginalized communities, just getting them told isn't enough. We need to fight for them, and we have to protect them, or else they might disappear. This story almost did. 
Uh, this story would not have been possible without the whole team that makes it. Tobin and Kathy, our editor, Jenny Lawton, our executive producer, Paula Schumann, and the many, many people who made this work possible. There are truly too many of them to name. Also, of course, thanks to the director, Patrick Ian Polk, who lent us the only copy of the movie that exists. Uh, it's a giant film that sat on my desk for a while. And to Nick McCarthy and the team at Newfest. It's this great queer film festival in New York. They let us screen the movie, even though technically no one has the rights to it, which was a very big problem when we were trying to get a theater to let us watch it anywhere. Thanks finally to Third Coast for this honor and to all of you for listening and supporting our work. Queer stories matter, and they can be fun, they can be weird, they can be exciting, and they can talk about big issues without having to be a downer. Finally, when uh, I sent notes on what we were going to talk about to Kathy, her one piece of feedback was that I should thank librarians, who apparently... They apparently wrote in mass in a large amount saying, took, taking issue with us describing the, that uh, their copy of Punks was stuck in a library. They argue it is preserved because <laughs> there is no better place to watch a movie than in a small room with no windows and in a library carol. Uh, but Kathy just wanted me to tell you all that. Uh, so thank you, librarians, and thank you, Third Coast. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause for a quick break. But if you want to hear any of these winning stories in full, which you absolutely should, they're all amazing, head over to thirdcoastfestival.org, or you can subscribe to our other podcast, Resound, and listen to the special Best of the Best episodes. They're hosted by the incomparable Gwen Maxi, who takes you through all the winning pieces and interviews a few of the producers who made them. It's truly special, so make sure to check that out. But first, stick around for the rest of the 2019 award ceremony right after this short break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, one of the things that's so cool about this conference is that you get a behind-the-scenes look at some of your favorite audio makers and what they do and how they do it. Yeah, I wish our Ear Hustle colleagues inside could be here seeing all of this, yes, but obviously they can't. And not only can they not be here, where they are, it's hard to hear podcasts at all. Right, because in prison, there's no internet. So listening to a podcast is very difficult, but... They can dream about it. Definitely. Salutations. My name is Antoine Williams, and I'm a part of the illustrious Ear Hustle podcast. Now, unlike you beautiful ladies and gentlemen who are in attendance, yes, give yourselves a hand. 
myself and the other ear hustle members are unable to reach into our pockets and pull out our communication devices and download such podcasts that you all have heard. Nigel and Erline speak so highly of so many podcasts that we just have not heard yet, such as Love and Radio, Criminal, Serial, 99% Invisible, uh, The Stupid, Snap Judgment, and the list goes on and on. We, the Inside Ear Hustle Crew, along with many other men, are we left to wonder, what do these podcasts sound like? Hmm. This is Mikhail Barros. This is the Daily. <laughs> Tempers flare as allegations of tyranny spread like wildfire throughout the San Quentin journalist community. Is the chairman abusing his power, or are the members merely hating? Will he be impeached? Find out on today's episode of The Daily. <laughs> so, there's this guy named Yaya. Now, Yaya is a producer for the podcast Ear Hustle. And there also is another By the way, Antoine Williams, who co-created Ear Hustle with me and Erlon, actually got out of prison last week. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so. We'll get back to honoring some real-life podcasts and radio stories. This award is for Best Documentary, Foreign Language. It uses a combination of reporting and fictionalized storytelling to deal with a very complex subject, t- child sexual abuse in Iran. I was really impressed with the craft and creativity that was employed to deal with this really difficult subject. ببخشید ممکنه چند لحظه مصدق اوقاتتون باشم؟ بفرمایید. من پدر سینا هستم. همون که به جرم بله بله. پدر دخترتون تشریف نمیوردن؟ بعد حتما تشریف بیارن؟ نه فقط میخواستم ببینم چطور میشه با ایشون تماس کارتون چیه که من نمیتونم انجام بدم؟ ببخشید به خدا اصلا قصد ناراحت کردنتون ندارم ولی خب میدونم دیگه شرایط سختی برای هم کم لطفی میفرمایین اصلا حالا روزمون یکی بله، نیست بله 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 میدونم چی میگیم ولی حالا اگه ممکنه این کارت من داشته باشین چه میدونم شاید اتفاق مهمی نیفتده باشه و بتونیم با هم The best documentary foreign language award goes to The Price of Secrecy produced by Zoha Zakari and edited by Rob Shilagel I 
want to start by thanking the Third Coast staff and volunteers for making, um, for being so helpful, so kind, and making me and my daughter so welcome at this festival and conference. Um, and also thanks to the jury for taking the time to, um, for actually choosing this um, this podcast for this prize. Um, and also for all of you who have taken the time to listen to the podcast and also um, finding me and giving me really amazing feedbacks. It does mean a lot from this coming from this community. Um, also a very big thank you to my family who actually um, drove in, flew in from different parts of the States to be here supporting me here tonight. <laughs> I'm here with my seven-month-old baby, and if it wasn't because of them, I couldn't even attend the conference or be here, so thank you so much. Um, so this project has been a passion project for a long time, and uh, eventually in 2015, I was able to turn this um, sort of passion idea into a research project, and I uh, was able to get a scholarship to give me that, which gave me the time and financial support to um, devote all my attention to this to this project. Um, but if it wasn't because of the uh, people that I, you know, that have supported me all the way along, this wouldn't have been a possibility. And this is people who really um, put their trust in me. But most importantly, um, agreed to sort of like carry the heavy burden of responsibility that comes with um, sort of like working with such sensitive um, social issues. You know, the topic that uh, the, this podcast is about. Um, the significant thing about working um, on such um, such sort of issues is that it kind of in inevitably attracts the most beautiful people, um, and I was um, and I, I consider myself very lucky to have um, been working with such an um, amazing group of people who really generously shared their time, their talents um, with me, um, and stood by me along the way. Um, and these are like, um, you know, this is this, uh, the group of people I worked with, my sound designer, um, all the voice actors I worked with, uh, professionals in Iran, psychotherapists, psychologists, lawyers, um, uh, social activists, graphic designer. Some of the people I collaborated with chose to stay anonymous and to respect that I'm going to refrain from naming individuals who actually collaborated with me, but they all know who they are and I thank, thank them greatly. If it wasn't... Um, because of them, you know, this, this project would just not, not happen. Um, I am new to the world of audio storytelling. My background is more in visuals. Um, but um, when I only had the first, the draft of the first um, episode of the podcast, um, I reached out to uh, Eleanor McDowell, who's, I'm very honored to be, <laughs> I'm very honored to be sitting um, next to her uh, today. And, um, she, you know, she has this amazing um, platform, Radio Atlas. And, I, and it wasn't, if it wasn't because of her welcoming sort of, uh, approach and also the encouragement that she gave me. I, I don't think I would have had the energy to put into creating the, the story, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, I really, um, you know, the, the, the community that I kind of knew before that, you know, this is the world of documentary and, and fiction, um, you know, what I kind of like felt differently being at this festival um, and, and, you know, also like the community in London is that how approachable and how welcoming everyone is. And I do hope that this community grows as, you know, continues to grow strongly, but um, stays as humble and approachable because it means a lot to people like me who's, who are starting, starting the um, craft. 
Um, and just to end, I, I really want to thank my, uh, my mother, who we lost to cancer three years ago. She's really the reason, um, you know, behind, you know, anything I do. You know, I, I owe a lot to her. And um, more important than everything else she did for me, she gave me the gift of passion, uh, passion for life and to make a positive contribution. And I hope I'm achieving that. <laughs> thank you very much. And now the Director's Choice Award, which is chosen by Third Coast themselves. All the staff, plus the interns, I think politely argue this one out. One of them put it this way, quote, right away this story established itself as a new form, personal narrative, beautifully designed, about a devastatingly serious, dark subject treated with an unexpected lightness and humor. Yeah, and surprisingly, there's something really delightful about this podcast, even though it's about a really serious subject, uh, mental illness. Instead of thinking this system was clearly inadequate, I started to think that I must be a particularly bad problem as staying on an otherwise helpful system. You know, that's what all the ads said. Keys just asking for help. But I've been asking for help for 10 years and it is still not enough. Or I'm still not crazy enough. Good evening and welcome to Are You Crazy Enough? Where the ultimate prize is the help you need. Our first guest tonight, Honor Eastleigh! Honor, are you ready to play? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, question one. Have you killed anyone? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Have you committed a crime? Uh, no. Not even a petty theft? I mean, there was that time in my early 20s, I think I stole an avocado, but I'm, I'm kind of bad at Any that. Any drug addictions? No. Like, not even weed or something? I'm coming. The 2019 Director's Choice Award goes to the podcast, No Feeling is Final. Written, yes. Written, written and hosted by Honor Eastley, executive producer Joel Warren, and producer Alice Moldovan. Writer Graham Panther and sound engineer Russell Stapleton. It was created at ABC Audio Studios under the guidance of managing editor... Kelly Reardon. This is such a thrill. Um, this room and this community mean so much to me, and uh, it's kind of overwhelming right now to win this award. Um, I think, like, as documentary makers, what we do is a privilege, right? Um, to be able to tell people stories, to help people tell their stories, to bring them to a wider audience, to elevate um, really important issues. It's such a privilege. There's no day that I take it lightly, and I've never felt that privilege more strongly than making this show and helping these two tell um, their story. And that's the thing. This isn't my story. I, I put my heart and soul into this show, and, and so did everyone on the team, but at the end of the day... It's not my life, right? When I go home, it's not my life that's in the story. It's Honor Eastley and Graham Panther's life. And so please, Third Coast, give a massive fucking round of applause for Honor Eastley and Graham Panther. (laughs) 
I'll go and then we'll, we'll get to the main event. Um, hey, kia ora koutou. Welcome. Hi, everybody. A few Kiwis in the crowd. Um, this is the topic that we live and breathe, not just because it's our lives. We didn't originally want to tell this particular story. We knew we just wanted to tell the thing we'd heard from so many fucking people out there that doesn't get talked about. One in two cases of anxiety and depression will last for many years, even if you're doing all the right things. But the thing is, nobody tells you that. So if, like me or Honor, that's you struggling for many years, doing all the right things and not feeling any better, you think, oh, I just must be really fucked up. And that's a lonely place to be. So that's who we made this show for, people who are out there doing that slow, sweaty, tedious work of recovery. Because when your mind feels like a scary place, you shouldn't have to go there alone. Um, the one other thing I just want to say uh, is... Joel mentioned putting your heart and soul into this work. You will know this from the work that you do. This is fucking intense work that we do, telling these sorts of stories that we tell, whether it's your own or like I saw how much heart and soul Joel put into this story, having just met us. And that takes a lot. For us, this has been this really beautiful little coda to come here almost exactly a year after we made the show in Australia. Um, to come to this, what to us is like a winter wonderland, <laughs> um, and get together and have a beer and go, holy cow, we did that. So it's been really nice to have that beat. I hope that at the end of a long year, you all get a chance to, to take a beat and take a breath and to look back on the work that you've done and remember how much goes into it. Thank you. Golly. Um, so, whoa, shit. Um, so, like, uh, five years ago, I was working a very menial job, and the thing that was my friends was podcasts. I was by myself a lot of the time. I was listening to a lot of Planet Money and a lot of Ira Glass, um, who I later wrote a song about. Partially my, my love for Ira Glass. At that very same time is actually when I um, went into a psych hospital. So it's almost five years ago to the day. And it was not the experience that I expected it to be. And <laughs> one of the things that I realized while I was in there um, was that there's kind of like these two stories that, that happen in mental health. I was there during mental health week. So there was a lot of mental health programming on TV at the time. And there was kind of two stories. The first was um, uh, I had anxiety and then I got help. I asked for help and then I was fine. And then there was this other type of story, which was that um, this is where people started getting talked about in third person, um, that their life was just become this kind of uncontrollable storm. Uh, and that it was ruining the lives of people around them. Uh, and for me, sitting alone at 2 a.m. in this psych hospital, watching these shows, um, at that point I'd spent um, about 10 years kind of in and out of the mental health system, and 
I was like, I'm definitely not in this first story. Like, that's not happening for me. So I was like, holy crap. Like, I must be going towards this one because these look to be the only two options. Um, So that is why at that time I started recording all these audio diaries. Um, And I was inspired very much by the, the stuff that I was listening to at the time. At that time, I had no idea um, what I would do with them. Uh, and to, uh, but what I knew that I wanted to do was um, show that these experiences of hopelessness, of despair, of like existential dread were not separate from normal life, but often they kind of meshed in with them. And that not only could we represent just people's pain, but we could also show, like, the humour that went with it. We could show the tragedy that came along, the tenacity, the optimism, the dumb shit. Um, (laughs) And uh, that is why I pitched to ABC when they did a nationwide call-out for shows. Um, And, (laughs) wow, oh, my God. Um, There's a story about Werner Herzog, who's the... uh, German filmmaker, and he says that um, he made a bet with another filmmaker that if they could get their their film made and keep their creative vision intact, he would eat his own shoe. And I feel like I have to eat, like, all of Beyonce's wardrobe of shoes. (laughs) The team that, particularly the small team that were directly involved in making this show have completely ruined my career forever because, like, I've peaked... It's never going to get better than this. Um, so Joel Werner, who is the executive producer, a.k.a. Pod Dad, who is just, like, the most amazing hum- human of all time. Um, Graham Panther, who is my partner, but also co-wrote the show and was a, a, such an influential, influential part of the show. Alice Moldovan, who's the producer... Um, She actually listened to all of the years and hours of audio diaries that I made. Sorry. Um, uh, Russell Stapleton, who's the sound engineer who made the beautiful, beautiful, rich sound beds. And um, Kelly Reardon, who's the manager of Audio Studios, um, who had the courage to commission what is a really, actually a very risky kind of show in some ways. I know not everyone would take it on, and so I don't take that lightly. Um, And obviously the wider ABC team and the people who helped along the way who know who they are. I feel like (laughs) we really left it on the field with this one. Like, nothing left. It's all done. It's all out there. And there's something quite amazing about being able to have so much creative control and and be able to make something that was really beyond my own um, capacity at the time. And... um, and to feel like I can, like, say goodbye to some of it, that was like, fuck yeah. Um, so, like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I know that we've already talked for a long time, but we travelled a really long way to get here. So I just want to say one thing. Um, this is a bit off topic. Uh, I was quite emotional when I first came up here (laughs) in a way that I like, I get emotional, but I don't usually get emotional. Uh, This award, this category means a lot to me because my friend Jesse Cox won this award the first year I was at um, Third Coast. 
Uh, Jesse died a few years ago. He loved this community. He was an amazing maker. We miss him every day. We think about him a lot, like making shows like this. And so tomorrow, when you're hungover, and you're making your way to the airport, you're making your way home, put some Jesse Cox on. If you want tips, come and uh, get to me. And uh, yeah, remember Jesse tonight and tomorrow. Thank you. We are at the final four. Final four. Indeed. And this is the honorable mention for best documentary. This one was really nice. It's mostly in a language that I don't know, but the emotion and meaning is unmistakable, which means tape is a powerful thing. Exactly. I can't wait to see you. No, um, we, we broke up. We broke up. No, <laughs> we broke up. Cause when I say, upon sodla, upon um, ami, ata upon nahi bahir zatat. Upon pune nahi zatat. To maja sati nahi ahe. I don't know. I'm the relationship. Tutla. We, bro- we broke up. No, we broke up. I don't know this word, broke up. The award for best documentary. Honorable mention goes to Nina Paltuck for Road Club. Hello. I thought when they said dress up, they meant costumes. Um, I, um... I want to thank Erlon and Nigel. Um, I'm such a big fan of your work, so it's a real honor to be up here and to share the stage with y'all. Um, I want to thank my mom and my grandma for having so much faith in me, even though they don't always understand what I'm up to. Um, and uh, I want to thank all the fellow, uh, my friends and fellow radios who supported me in making the piece. I want to thank Ellie McDowell for doing Radio Atlas and elevating the works in translation. Um, and thank you so much to Third Coast. Um, this community means so, so, so much to me, and it's an honor to be a part of it. I was thinking a little bit about all the everyday ways that when we do this work, it's really easy to sometimes feel like we're cogs, um, cogs in like a really big, giant machine. And it's really easy sometimes to do things a certain way because that's the way that it's always been done. And it's easy to get complacent, but I think part of the reason that I got into this work in the first place is because it helps me not be complacent. Um, it helps me sit with like really complicated questions and um, pursue these little and big truths. Um, I think hearing all the ways that y'all are pushing back against being cogs helps me be brave and um, it helps me not be complacent. 
So I'm so, so, so grateful for that. Um, in the spirit of not being a cog, and in the spirit of little Richard, um, Next up, Best Documentary, Bronze Award. One of the judges said about listening to this piece, quote, I remember thinking and saying in the room, this piece is perfection. This story deals with an issue, access to abortion, by weaving together without narration the voice of four women. One of the women had to leave her country to have an abortion because it was illegal where she lived. And I have to say, I was listening to this story while I was cooking dinner, and very quickly into it, I had to put everything down and just sit and listen. It's incredibly moving. You kind of lose all sense of time. Um, I didn't sleep, didn't sleep, because I was afraid I'd oversleep and wouldn't make the flight. There was a queue for security and I just had this really strong sense of standing in that line and, and looking at other women, thinking, are you, is it you, are you travelling too? All the clinics required you to stay overnight for the abortion pill and I couldn't do that, which meant I, I knew I was facing into a surgical abortion to be back and forth in one day. I just felt angry, so angry, so angry, all the time. Best documentary, Bronze Award, goes to Eleanor McDowell for a sense of quietness from Falling Tree Productions for Lights Out, BBC Radio 4. So I've been getting negged quite a lot by my, my Australia. I can't even talk. I'm going to prove my point right now. My astrology app, CoStar, has been sending me a lot of push notifications. And yesterday I got one that was like, make an inventory of your fears. And one of my greatest fears is public speaking. So I'd just like to apologize in advance. And it's so nice. There are so many people that I love in this room and respect. That makes it easier to do. Thank you. Um, I would like to thank Third Coast for this. It's such an honor to be on this list of artists whose work I really admire. Um, I want to thank my execs, Rachel Hooper and Alan Hall. I've worked with Alan for over a decade now, and I wouldn't be standing on this stage if it wasn't for him. Um, and I'm going to try and be sincere now, which, as a British person, if you could just all avoid my eye contact, that would be really helpful. So... Um, I wanted to tell a collective story about a series of body blows sustained by a group of people across generations and over time and the quiet acts of resistance that accompany them. Quiet acts of resistance that can build and build into a furious and powerful scream. The women in this documentary lost jobs, faced intimidation in their workplace, suffered at the hands of the state, faced death threats and rape threats, largely not for exercising their bodily autonomy, but just for having the temerity to talk about it. So I want to thank these women, and I'm not going to get emotional about it. Um, everyone's look in the corner and don't look at me. Um, 
the radio producer Siobhan McHugh, the founder of Dublin's Well Woman Clinic, Anne Connolly, the journalist Brianna Parkins, and the anonymous fourth woman. I want to end by borrowing the words that she printed out on stickers and planted all over the airport where she had had to take her journey from in solidarity with women so that they didn't feel that they were on their own. Um, she said, be well, get angry, they can't keep doing this to us. And I would also like to say fuck yes to the legalisation of abortion in Northern Ireland, which happened the other week. They can't keep doing this to us. Fuck yes. The F word is being used quite liberally tonight. I love it. <laughs> I just heard, heard a code of conduct the other day. <laughs> Actually, sorry, I remember when I told Erlon and Antoine and the guys inside that we could do a podcast, and they were asking, what's the difference between doing a podcast and radio? And I said, well, we can swear. And everyone... We was like, we in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Best documentary, Silver. It's this beautiful, sound-rich retelling of 38 minutes after a text message went out in Hawaii telling residents that there was an imminent missile threat. I love how it wove together these diverse memories of a profound shared experience. And I was on the freeway listening this, to this story, and I was imagining, like, what the fuck would I do <laughs> if some shit like this happened? 911, police fire ambulance. Neither one. I want to know about this alert that came over, and I called okay. six times 911, and no one answered at all. No yeah. one 911 answered. If you are indoors, stay indoors. A missile may impact on land or sea within minutes. This is not a drill. We are nearing the 14-minute mark, I think. We're running the water in the tub. We have medical supplies. We have battery. So, you know, we're all sitting in this really tiny, narrow bathroom holding each other's hands and stuff like that. Um, and just, you know, uh, crying, really. That was the big moment. And it's not the awareness of death that comes from a loved one passing away. It's the awareness of death that comes from facing your own death as a very real possibility. The best documentary silver award goes to This Is Not a Drill. Yes. <laughs> Produced by Jasmine Aguilera and edited by Anna Sussman for Snap Judgment from WNYC. With co-producers John Facile, Erica Lance, Nancy Lopez, and Eliza Smith, composer Renzo Gorio, sound designer Pat Masili-Miller, editor Mark Ristich, and executive producer Lynn Washington. All right. I thought that this was a red carpet event, so that's what I did. <laughs> Just saying. All right. But I also really like the little Richard. So when this false alarm went out, everybody was obsessed with it for like 20 minutes on Twitter. And when we kind of thought about it in the age of Trump, where everything is bananas all the time, so... This is a cool new story for a day, and everyone kind of moved on. And we got this story idea from a listener named Joseph Fodi, and he wrote us in. He's like, why you guys should do this story? And we're like, yeah, we should, actually. We should do this story. But we thought for sure that other outlets 
bigger, better funded outlets that already had people in Hawaii maybe or could fly people out there on a dime could do it. So we didn't, we just waited and waited and nothing happened. And we were so confused because this is such a crazy thing. Like, what would you do if you thought you were going to die in 15 minutes? Like, so, um, so we started doing it. And we did it really slowly over a course of a year. And as we were producing and interviewing and talking to people, you know, the typical stuff that gets in your way got in the way. Like, nothing really happens in this story. Uh, this entire thing can be boiled down to two words, false alarm, that's it. And so we heard that. Those were the conventional tips. Those were the, what you need to make a good story. You need plot, and you need characters, and you need, you need a way to tie it all together in a way that makes sense, that is an arc, and all these things that made us think, this isn't going to work. But we didn't listen to that, because there was something there that we noticed, we saw, and I think everybody feels that when there's something there, even though someone tells you that this doesn't work, but you know that there's something there. Because this was such a rich experience, such a human experience in a unique setting, and there was an ocean of nuance to swim in. So we decided to break convention and do what we podcasters do best, which is make new stuff all the time that breaks everything all the time in new forms, in new voices, in new languages. That's what we're here for. We're here to break stuff because you don't know when you're going to get an alarm on your phone that tells you, hey, you have 15 more minutes to live. Um, we want to thank the people who uh, were able to share their stories with us to make this piece. A lot of people in Hawaii were really embarrassed uh, if they if they were scared during the false alarm, and so a lot of people didn't want to admit uh, their stories of fear. So we're thankful to them for talking for us. I want to thank uh, Mark and Glenn, our leaders, for trusting us um, and helping us to make the stories we want to make. Um, we want to thank the people in this room for making beautiful stories. Thank all of you so much for doing that. The beautiful thing about this story to us is that it really was a team project, and if you, if you removed anybody standing up here from the story, it wouldn't be a good story. So uh, the whole really is greater than the sum of its parts, especially on this team. And I, I want to thank uh, my grandmother, who every August 6th would make me stand on the town square in a little town in southern Maine to remember Hiroshima Day. And she said, we can't let ourselves forget what we did, uh, which is to say that our children are listening to the lessons we teach them. Thanks. Um, I just want to thank everyone involved at Third Coast for making such an amazing conference for us to come back to. We really do appreciate it. Um, the team has been amazing. Meeting you all has been amazing. And I want to make sure I thank everyone who was involved, uh, 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 from Erica Lance to Jonathan Seal, Mark, my partner, the Ristich, um, Eliza Smith, who wishes she could be here, Nancy Lopez, Renzo Gorio is here, um, Anna Sussman, Chorus Jasmine Aguilera, and Pat Masini Miller. I want to tell three very, very brief stories. Number one is this. <laughs> okay, so um, two and a half years ago, in our office, we had a, um, a, a very accomplished um, office manager who was doing a lot of the, the billing and receipts and stuff like that who wanted to move into the production side. 
And we were kind of slow to make that happen. Truly, we were. But that person who went on to decide, you know, I want to make stories now and not be on the, on the, uh, doing this, this business stuff, that person went on to lead this project and is now at the New York Times, Jasmine Aguilera. And still extremely young, and I just want to say that a lot of people here, they wonder, you know, what's the road? Who knows the road? Um, it's been amazing what Jasmine was able to accomplish in the past, uh, really, year and a half, two years. I will say this, a lot of the things that say you can't do a story, um, this doesn't, story doesn't work. I got to admit, when I first heard this story, I might have been one of those people. But I've got this amazing team that if they got passion about something, it's best to get out of the way and work, watch it work, which is what happened in this case. And I want to applaud everybody who did that. Um, it's, it's really, really true. Don't let anybody get in your way. And I'll say this as well. I've got to throw this one in there. I was to uh, actually with, with Pat and with Eliza Smith, who's not here right now, we went to uh, San Quentin Prison about four years ago and we're meeting with some of the people. I went with, um, with Nigel and they were talking about this brand new podcast that they wanted to make potentially. And again, I thought, I don't know if that's really going to work. But being here on stage with this team right now, don't let anybody ever tell you what you can't do. Thank you. Snap Judgment was the first podcast that Nigel was able to get cleared in the prison mm -hmm. to bring in. That's right. So I definitely thank them because they came in and helped us out. Yep. This is it. Woo-woo. We have reached the final award of the evening, the third coast Richard H. Driehaus Best Documentary Gold Award. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to say, this one really got to me. It's a beautiful story about memory and how difficult it can be when you reunite with a memory from your childhood. Indeed. It's about poet Javier Zamor, who, because of his immigration status, has to return to El Salvador, a place he left 20 years ago when he was nine years old. One judge said, quote, I can't remember the last time I heard something that transported me to, uh, to transported me like this piece did. It was cinematic in quality with complex characters that evolved throughout the piece to tell us a deeply personal and intimate story, a story that's very pertinent in our country right now. On June 10th, the day before I left to El Salvador, I had dinner with my mom and my aunts. We just started talking, you know, about the trip, and my little cousin, Toñito, really surprised me. You are nine. And uh, how do you think you would feel if you were going? I feel happy. Like right now, I feel happy for you yeah. because you're going there and seeing my grandma and my grandpa. Mm -hmm. And I wish you luck. Any advice? Mm -hmm. If you were to go to a place that you've never been to, what, what would you bring? Um, 
I want to bring my parents. Your parents? Yeah, mm. so that they could go with me also. I think that is the just natural feeling of a little kid, the same age as me when I came here, that all you want is your parents and to be with them and bring them everywhere. I think just that feeling, I want to bring my parents, and it always makes me cry because that's what I wanted when I immigrated by myself. All I wanted to be was to be with my parents. The Gold Award for Best Documentary will be presented by Nick Burt of the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation. We want to say thank you to the Foundation for supporting the 19th Annual Third Coast Richard H. Driehaus Foundation Competition. So on behalf of the Foundation, thank you to uh, the team at Third Coast, to all of tonight's winners, and to all of you who make this an event that we are so proud to support. The gold award of the 2019 Third Coast Richard H. Driehaus Foundation competition goes to Sarah Cavedo for the return from NPR's Latino USA. It was edited by Sophia Polisa Carr and Marlon Bishop. The, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, whew, wow, hold on one second. There are two parts to this speech, and I was going to keep it short, but what the hell, I got gold, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I get to my part, I want to read. I asked Javier, um, he couldn't be here tonight, but I asked him to write a little something um, in case we, you know, in, when we won something, and um, this is what he wrote. He says, um, from my family to you, please accept our sincerest thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for seeing us in a time when we feel invisible. Our stories have always been invisible until recently. And even now, the way some journalists are handling stories of immigration doesn't feel considerate or genuine. Thank you, Sarah and Latino USA, for handling this story with care, for handing me some agency in telling my own story of return, the way it should be. Gracias. And um, I'm going to try to keep it real, real short, because if you are me at this point in the ceremony, you probably have to pee really badly. Um, so I just want to thank my mom, as always, number one. Uh, and then I want to thank the super talented team at Latino USA, which I think um, specifically Sofia Pelisacar, who edited, the, edited this piece, and Stephanie Lebeau, who is the engineer who this piece would not have sounded nearly as good without. Um, don't forget to thank your engineers. Um, also, Marlon Bishop, and really everyone at Latino USA. Marlon Bishop, who's out here behind me. Um, and everyone at Latino USA, which I think is one of the most slept-on shows in public radio ever. Um, so... If you haven't listened because you think it's in Spanish or you can't relate, then one, you're wrong. It's, a lot of it is in English. And then two, if you can't relate, that means even more that you should be listening to it. Um, thanks to Third Coast for putting on this festival and putting on the conference and all of this. Um, 
just remind, this is like, I never went to sleepaway camp. Um, we like, we could never like afford that or do that. But I imagine this is kind of what it feels like to like join every year and like go and hang out with people who you're super excited to be around and who just make you feel like, oh, right. Like this is why I do the thing that I do, you know? Um, and I think audio is probably filled with some of the most smart, intelligent and kind people of any profession. Um, and yeah, clap for yourselves. Uh, <laughs> I want to I wanna thank Javier Zamora, who really was super generous with both his time um, and sharing his story, um, and I'm, who, I'm super called, uh, who I'm super proud to call a friend. Um, and lastly, Brett Myers, where are you at? Raise your hand. There you are. All right, wait, before I get to you, because you get a long one, I want to very quickly run through Eleanor McDowell, Sarah Geis, Nishat Kurwa. I've said this, I've said this before, I'm gonna just say it again. There's like, last year there was a lot of talk about like, let's make the thing more equal, let's get more people in here. Um, and these, if y'all are looking for examples of how to do that, look no further than Nishat, Sarah, and Eleanor, because they really do, they do the work. Um, and then lastly, Brett Myers, you wanna stand up for me real, real fast? I know, I'm embarrassing. I, I can see you turning red right now, but I'm, I'm going to do this anyway. Um, so somehow, even though I bully you relentlessly, uh, you still look after me. You give me advice. You listen to my work. You give me feedback. Um, and I think I told you this before, but you're probably like the closest thing I've ever had to a father figure at all in my life. So um, I want to just... Ex acknowledge, one, that you were the person who first got me to apply to be an Air New Voices scholar back in 2012 and introduced me to narrative audio and introduced me to this festival. Um, so it is not an exaggeration to say that I would not be on this stage without your help um, and your guidance. Um, You changed my life, and I'm so glad that we're friends um, and that I can call you a mentor, um, and you will always be my mentor. Um, and I just want to say thank all of y'all for listening and sharing and being here. This is, like, maybe one of the biggest highlights of my life. So thank you. Do you have any boohoo's in your eyes? Oh yeah, I was feeling for Brett just I now. Know. I felt just like you that know. That was really beautiful. <sighs> All right. Can we party. thank the musicians here? I think oh, that's more definitely. important. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Tunes for life, and that's Lloyd Broadnex, King, Ali and Steve, and uh, Manindar Singh. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you. gonna take my horse to the old town road and ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road and ride till I can't no more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Third Coast Pocket Conference. We'll have more episodes coming next week, but in the meantime, you can find all the winning stories from 19 years of the competition at thirdcoastfestival.org. And you can subscribe to our other podcast, ReSound. 
If you haven't already signed up for producer news, you definitely should. Click on the newsletter button at the bottom of our website or right here in the show notes. We'll keep you up to date with the Third Coast Conference, competition, residency, and everything else that we do. But more importantly, we have a ton of resources to share. And honestly, what better way to get those than delivered straight to your inbox with a charming gif? Seriously, though, you won't want to miss these. The Third Coast Pocket Conference is co-produced by Neroli Price and me, Isabel Vasquez. The artistic director of Third Coast is Maya Goldberg-Safer, and our program director is Emily Kennedy. Shirley Alfaro is our executive director. But before that, she was a judge for the 2019 Radio Impact Award. Speaking of which, a huge special thanks to the rest of our 2019 judges. John Buin, Hans Buto, Martina Castro, Emmanuel Jochi, Adiza Egan, Shannon Heffernan, Shireen Marisol Maraji, Shruti Pinamaneni, Daisy Rosario, Julie Shapiro, Katerina Smets, Amy Standen, Beryllyn Williams, and the newsroom of New Hampshire Public Radio. Each of these producers put in hours and hours of listening and careful consideration before choosing this year's amazing winners. We are so grateful to them. Thank you all. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.